morning, everyone. It's good to be together this morning. My name is Tim, and welcome to Greater Open Church. And uh, for those of you on Facebook Live, I want to say hey. You know, a lot of you are either ill or uh, unable to be here today. We're starting a new series today, and uh, this series is called uh, Jesus Is. So I thought we'd start off by just looking at his name today. What's in a name? Think about it. Names are a primary way we identify everything. I mean, there's the way we identify a person or a place, uh, uh, just about everything. We do that with a product. Before you were born, your parents heard this question many times. Have you got a name yet? Because that name is important. I remember uh, thinking when I was five, hearing the people, adults talking like that, my first son, I said, well, my first child will be a boy, and his name will be Nathaniel. And sure enough, when uh, we got, Denise and I got married, we had our first child, I said, that's got to be, it's got to be Nathaniel. And uh, she said, well, that's fine. And then we argued over the middle name, she won that one. And the last name I was confused about that. Uh, it's funny about names, you know, uh, names used to be for centuries, you got one name. Even in the Bible, you've got Moses, you know, Abraham, Noah, Sarah. And for centuries, that's the way it was. You had one name, and that was it. Uh, then the Roman Empire came. And when the Roman Empire began to have its influence, and we're still being influenced by the Roman Empire, they began to add, add things to names. Because when you have several people of the same name, how do you keep, how do you distinguish them? And so they begin to add the last name to people. And before long, they started adding a middle name because there would be some people. Not to, I know there's some families they name all their kids like was it George Foreman named all of his kids George, all of his boys. Yeah. Well, they would have the same thing occur uh, in their culture, and so they begin to incorporate even a middle name. Let me give you some examples. Like, for example, Wilson is derived from the idea of that is William's son. Makes sense, right? Sure. Atwood. Well, the Atwood. This is Billy Atwood. Why are we calling him Atwood? Where did he get his last name? Well, they live at the woods or near the woods. Sometimes a name might have something to do with a social status. I went to school with a guy by the name of Alan Freeman. And Freeman, last name, comes from men that are free, or free men, rather than being slaves. And I know of a family back home called the King family. And, and that also, again, based on a social position, uh, that last name, last name occurs. Uh, you might get, uh, maybe somebody has a last name Biggs. You know, that's a, that, that's possible. Well, that's maybe the size of the, of the, the, the people in their family. They're all big people. And it's that family, you know, Bill down there, that Bill Biggs guy. He's with all the big people down there. Or maybe you hear the word Reed, the last name of Reed. And it's really a reference to red hair. Now, my brother gave me a dirty look. I'll give him a dirty look. I don't know what that was about. But so, that's how names are. And you, maybe you know the heritage of how your last name came about, okay? I know that when I was in school, all I heard was bluegill, fishgill, and I couldn't swim. Okay, so, but sometimes a name would would be, uh, would represent maybe a one word or a series of words, a summary 
of what a person could accomplish or what they had accomplished. For example, Alexander the Great. And there's lots of Alexanders, but Alexander the Great, you know, conquered the world. And then you have, then you have some other ones that, uh, like John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, it describes what he did and what he accomplished. Well, the same can be said about Jesus Christ. We can learn some things about that because, because his name is important and significant as a Christian. In fact, the disciples had been following Jesus for nearly three years. And so he asks them a question, you know, who do people say I am? And they say, well, some say you're Elijah or John the Baptist or, you know, one of the prophets, maybe Jeremiah. And he said, well, who do you think I am? And of course, there's a real awkward pause. I picture that awkward pause. They've been following him for three years. And a lot of times if you read the accounts in the Gospels, they're always asking, who does this guy think he is? Or what's, who does, how can he, how can the winds and the waves obey him? And so they're all thinking, what? And then finally, a name blurts out from the lips of Peter. Here in Mark 16, it says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's how he describes Jesus. And in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul would talk about this name. And look how it describes this name. It says, God lifted Jesus high above everyone else. He gave him a name that is greater than any other name. I think about... uh, a song we sing back in the kids uh, group. Uh, Jesus, name above all names. I love that song. I like doing slow songs with the kids. You watch them. They work so hard because they want to do fast stuff. You know, they're working so hard to be patient. But they, they, they hear that. He's above all names. Uh, I, when I was growing up, I remember the Gaithers singing, there is something about that name. And that's true. And it is significant in the heart of a Christian. Well, what makes it so significant? That's what I want to talk about to you this morning. Um, there, I, I've, I found three, three truths about this name that are related to this name. Here's the first one. The name Jesus, it means Jesus can relate to me. He can really relate to me. I mean, when you're going through a difficult time, Nothing means more than having someone come alongside who understands what you're going through. Am I right? They, they go, I, I know there's lots of people that say, well, you don't have to, un- I don't have to understand what you're going through, uh, to help you. Well, that's by and large true, but man, it sure helps when they do have went, have went through something you've went through because they really get it. And see, Jesus can understand and he does understand. Look at this passage here in Luke 1. Mary is told that you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. I was looking, I noticed that in the, in the Bible there's about six, maybe seven names that were picked out by God before they were born. Which I thought was interesting. And Jesus is one of them. That he selects this name for his son. Says you're going to call him Jesus. Now Jesus was a common a very common and popular name. During the time of Christ, around 5 BC, right in there, they, there's a, an account of, they've noticed, archaeologists have dug up or have discovered over 70 tombs with the name Jesus on the tomb. It was a very popular and common name. You know, I don't know if you know this, but in the last 100 years, the most popular name for a boy is James. 
Okay, the most popular name for a woman, guess what it is? Mary. Now, last year, the most popular name for a boy was Lehman. And the most popular name for a girl, this is last year now, Olivia. So those, that's how it's changed over, over the years. Well, this name, Jesus, was a very popular name. A lot of people were named Jesus. In fact, it, the name was so common that Jesus would be referred to as Jesus of Nazareth so they could keep, they could single him out. Here's the Jesus that lives in Nazareth. The name Jesus is an earthly name. That's important to remember. It, it, why? Because it captures his humanity. God did not give his son some weird, crazy name that nobody could identify with, but a common name. You see, it was there. And, and, and by the way, Jesus, if you remember Isaiah 53, there's nothing about his appearance that stands out. He blended in and so did his name. And I believe that's significant. That's significant because, see, Jesus, I think God wanted us to know that Jesus was like everybody else. He's just like you. That's important. See, it's because, because in difficult times, let's face it, when we go through difficulty, there are times when we just imagine no one can understand us and we feel pretty helpless and alone. We feel isolated and even forgotten by people and even by God. But Jesus truly understands. He understands because he's been in our shoes. He's went through what you've went through. You see, the humanity of Jesus is just as important as the deity of Jesus. And, and by the way, it's, what's, what's, what gets me about this is, is that Jesus wasn't half man and half God. No, he was all man, all mankind, all human, totally human, and totally God. So this wasn't some strange alien. You know, I, I was cruising through the channels and Prometheus was on, the movie Prometheus. And I went, Ugh, it scared me to death. Okay. He wasn't some crazy alien. No, he was just like you and I. And that's important to remember. Because that means that the king of, listen, the king of kings and the Lord of lords walked in your shoes. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be in pain. He knows what it's like to be in danger. He understands betrayal. He understands loneliness. He understands discouragement. The Bible even says he's familiar with sorrow. So he understands all the hard, the difficult things in life. He understands loss too. And because, listen, because he understands, that means he knows what he's talking about when he's speaking to you. That's so important to remember. Because he, because he understands, listen, I, I, again, I know people that have tried to help me and you know people tried to help you, but there's something about that person that says, I know what you've went through. And then you hear their story and you go, oh yeah, you do know. And your guard comes down. And they're able to speak into your life. Am I right about that? Yeah. And so Jesus is the same way. He goes, I understand everything you've gone through and you're going through. I'm, and I know what you need. He relates to your sin problem and my sin problem. And he had to be like you and I in order to do that. Look at this passage here in Hebrews 2. He had to be one of us so that he could serve God as a merciful and faithful high priest and sacrifice himself 
for the forgiveness of our sins. So what do I do with this name? What do I do with the name of Jesus? I can I can depend on that name. That's what I can do. I love this passage and it's, it's packed. There's a sermon series in this one verse. Look at this. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If you want, would like to do this, I've done it on my notes here. I circled approach, throne, grace, confidence, mercy, grace again, help, and our time of need. Because when you stop and think about it, because he can understand, Jesus knows, knows what we're going through, knows what you're going through right now. He's qualified to speak into your life. See, I can be sure when I depend on the, on the Lord, when I trust the Lord, and when I approach Him, this scripture is saying, He's not going to be indifferent. He's not going to be cold. He's not going to be calloused. He's going to listen. He's going to be interested in what I'm going through because He cares. And most of all, He's going to offer some guidance. He's going to offer the guidance I need. You see, I need the grace of God for what I've done. Anybody here know what I'm saying? I need it. I want it and I need it. But also God says he supplies grace. This throne of grace, which is an indicator of kingship and rulership, not only gives me grace for what I've done, but offers grace to what he wants me to do. And that's very, that's, I, want, I hope we get this this morning. That is, see, I know a lot of people that just want the grace of God. Oh, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for this. And that's enough. And God says, wait a minute, from my throne of grace, I want to give you some guidance. I want to offer something here to help you. Remember Jesus said to one guy, stop doing that or something worse will happen to you after he healed him. And I love, like I said, I love getting from God His grace and mercy because I need it desperately. And I'm confident, and you should be too, that every time you approach this throne, which is like, again, authority and power of a king, you can be sure you're going to have that grace and that mercy. But notice, it's to help us in our time of need. And sometimes my need is, yes, it is, I need comfort and reassurance. But sometimes my need is, what do I do now? How do I deal with this now? What do you want me to do, Lord? Because I need your help and your guidance. Isn't it great that God's grace not only just covers, again, my past, but it covers my future, and that his love is not only dealing with what I've dealt with, and I've dealt with, but he wants to guide with his love? Isn't that awesome? I find that just thrilling. And that's what I can, that's what I can do with this name. I can lean on him. I can depend on him. I can trust him. And I can listen to him and get help. Here's the second thing a name can do. His name. Jesus can restore me. This name Jesus, the Greeks took this name and they associated it and they connected it with healing. I thought that was interesting. That they, they put this healing idea. And man, did Jesus live up to that. 
Man, you see all these moments where he's healing people, restoring people, helping people. Acts 3.16, even after Jesus has gone into heaven, the apostles, uh, Peter and John are, are walking along and there's a crippled beggar and he's looking for money. And he says, I don't, we don't have any money, but we got something better. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And remember the guy is walking and leaping. I remember there's a song he's saying, walking and leaping and praising God. And I thought, what a weird song. But that's what's happening in the passage. He is like going crazy. And he's holding on to Peter and John and they're, and they're, and everybody's astonished. Everybody's like, what's going on? What? What's going on here? And they're questioning what's, what's happened here. And Peter begins to say, why are you so astonished? It's not by my power or John's power or our godliness that this happened. No, this happened by the, the with the power of the in the name of Jesus Christ. Look what he says here in verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. See, there's no denying it. Jesus heals people. He restores health. He restores broken hearts. And I want you to know this morning, Jesus wants to heal you, whatever you're, whatever you're dealing with. And Jesus wants to heal the brokenness in the lives of your friends and family. And He needs that name out there. Why does He do that? Why does Jesus want to heal me? Why does he even bother want to restore and heal you? Well, let me give you a few reasons. One, he wants you well. He just wants you well. Okay? The second thing is, how do you prove who Jesus is? Well, the Bible says they'll know we're Christians by our love. They'll know we're disciples. Well, yeah, our love for one another proves we're his disciples. But how do you prove that Jesus is real and active through a changed life? through a life that's a little at a time and maybe some big steps every once in a while of radical change. People see you getting better. Maybe your circumstance might not get better now. That may not happen. But you're better in that circumstance. And they see that. Where did you get that? And you, you can say, I didn't get it from me. It wasn't my godliness. It wasn't my, my power. It was the power in the name of Jesus Christ. And my response to that name is, is healing and restoring me. I don't want to be the same when I go back to my high school reunion. When they say, oh, you look like you just stepped out of the yearbook. I want people to go, you're different, Tim. You're changed even more. Especially when it comes to our character, my character. So Jesus is in this idea of, of wanting to restore. And by the way, and he heals you and I, so we'll heal other people. So we're involved, like Peter and John, in helping other people find restoration and healing. So what do I do with this name? What do I do with the name of Jesus, the name that heals and, and restores? Well, I call on his name. I can call in his name, just like these passages. Look at these passages with me. Here's one up on the screen in Matthew 15. A woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. She calls out to him. In Matthew 9, 
It says, Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him. They called out, Davidson, help us. Well, I wonder if that was Jesus' last name for some people. Davidson, son of David. Son of David, help us. They're calling out to him by name. Look at this other passage, Luke 17. As he was going into the village, ten men had leprosy with him, stood at a distance. They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've, this has happened to me before where I've called out my son's name with a bunch of, bunch of kids. I'll say Nathan or Matthew and about three boys, that name. Well, not here. These lepers, they're going, man, we're going to make sure we single this guy out. Jesus, master. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. This morning, I want you to know, no matter how broken things get, how messed up they get in your life, Jesus can restore. He can restore. Right now, I'm getting ready to sign up for Medicare. I never thought I'd ever say that sentence. I didn't think I'd live long enough. But in March, I'll be signing up for Medicare. And I'm learning about Medicare and Medicare Advantage. And some of you who have Medicare, I could sure use your help. But I mean, I'm re- and, and they're saying, do you have a primary doctor? And I said, uh, why? Well, you got to have a doctor if you're going to sign up to him. I said, well, I've had two and they've both retired. And I probably can count on one hand how many times I've seen them. He goes, well, you're going to have to get another one, Tim. Well, who do I get? I'll never forget this last doctor I picked because of his picture. They gave me a picture. I was in this big waiting room in St. Anthony's. They said, okay, Tim, you're looking, I'm looking for a doctor. Okay, well, here. And it was laminated as if this happens a lot. And I, and I didn't want a woman. Nothing against women. I just don't want no woman looking at me yet. Okay, I know when I get old and crusty and maybe forgetful, it, I won't mind. But right now, it matters to me. And so I'm going, what about this guy? He looks smart. And they go, he does. He doesn't take any more patience. Well, it makes makes sense. He's smart. What about this guy? He looks pretty smart too. And he goes, he's not taking any patience either. And I go through. Finally, I get to this one guy. And I go, what about him? Oh yeah, he's got some openings. I go, why? And she leans over to me and says, "Don't talk like that in the waiting room." Because everybody's everybody is like, why is there? Why does he have openings? And I think it's a legitimate question. I don't want to go to a doctor where the, you know, the hearse is there more often than the ambulance. I'm just not keen on that. Now, why am I saying all that? Well, it's not just the doctor. I could have a good doctor and not use him. I had a good doctor and he retired on me. Dirty dog. But I know folks that are ill right now, that are in pain right now, and they're continuing to be ill and hurt and made. I've known some that have died because they will not call on the doctor. They won't. Pride. Fear. There's this fear like, well, what I don't know won't hurt me. Really? Really? 
They just refuse to call a doctor, but oh, they call on someone, usually another sick person, that might even have the same ailment. And they complain about their ailment, they complain what's going on, and they cry out, and oh, I got this going on, I got that on. And they're talking to somebody else who's sick that can't really help them. And how do you know that? Because these sick people prescribe something, and it doesn't work. I mean, really, does it work? Most of the time it doesn't. When they could go to someone who understands. And there's, and, and listen folks, I, I, I've, I know people and I've been in this place before where nobody can help me. No matter how hard they try. I don't want their help or they're not qualified to help me, and we feel like you know no one can help me, and I've I've felt the same way. But that statement is not true, because there is someone that can help me. The great physician is always able to help me because his name means to heal, to restore. Question is, will I? take advantage of the skill of the great physician enough to call on him to let him diagnose me and to accept his prescription. It's something to think about. Jesus, his name simply means he can relate to me. He can always understand. He can heal whatever I'm dealing with. He can restore whatever I've lost. And number three, Jesus can rescue me. This is probably the most significant thing about the name of Jesus. In Matthew one twenty one, up here on the screen, Joseph hears these words from God. He says, she'll give birth to a son and you'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's what the, the, his name means. It means one who saves or one who rescues. And it's one of the reasons that this name of Jesus was so popular during the time of Christ. Because young parents, when they had a son, they would name him Jesus thinking maybe he's the hope of Israel. Maybe he's the one that will save us. You see, for 200 years before, before Christ, Rome, and Greek and Rome, the Greek and Roman Empire had just raped the land. Before, 200 years before Jesus, the world experienced uninterrupted misery. His, historians say it's a significant, there's something they notice that's significant in our world history. For 200 years, uninterrupted misery. If you can imagine that. It was the culture, the Roman culture had grown into what I, I would compare it to the Salem witch hunts or Nazi Germany. Because if you wanted to get someone, you wanted to destroy someone, all you had to do was just make an accusation. And that person would lose their job. Kind of reminds you of the woke movement. Lose your job. Maybe lose your influence, impact, your future. All down the tubes. You could even be killed 
from someone informing. They called them informants, and they all they, and they they were they saturated every building, every street, overhearing conversation. And if they could get something on you, a gotcha moment, they were quick to get it and ruin you. This is what they were dealing with all the time. And so there's this sense of helplessness for centuries. And this great desire for salvation. We need a savior. So if any emperor or any high profile figure in Roman culture gave any kind of relief from this misery, they were referred to him as savior. But the problem is no amount of money, no amount of fame, no amount of power, no amount of success could you get out of this misery. King David, think about King David for a minute. He refers to, he he can identify with this because back in his day, here's a king who could do anything, anything he wanted. And look what he says here in Psalms 49. There's no such thing as self-rescue, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. The cost of rescue is beyond our means. You can't save yourself. Is he right? It's true. There's some things you just aren't going to be able to save yourself from. You don't have the power. You don't have the the resources or the righteousness. In Psalm 62, the psalmist echoes David's sentiments. Look what he says here. I stand silently before the Lord waiting for him to rescue me. For salvation comes from him alone. You see, we do not, you and I do not possess the ability to save ourselves in this broken world. We're busted and broken like everything else. Our skills, our fame, no matter, no matter, no matter how much money we make, the government can't save us either. I mean, you stop and think about this. Jesus is coming to rescue and save. God sent his son to do that. He wouldn't have sent someone to rescue us if we didn't need it. Make sense? And see, God knows our spiritual condition. He knows we fall short. He knows we blow it. And there's no way in the world we can get to heaven without Him. Yesterday, we had an awesome funeral. How long is it going to last? Ron asked me. I said, I don't know, 30 minutes maybe? I don't know, 45 top. It was an hour. And as Nona laid there so peacefully in this casket, we listened to people giving her tribute and looking at reassuring scriptures. And all I could say was, what I thought about Nona as well, I was going, she is a Christian woman. She's not religious, she's a Christian. There's a difference. And she's serious about her walk with God. And that's why her footsteps, her last footsteps here, lead into eternity. They don't end. Because they end here. And, and she knew early on, like we need to know now, we need God bad. I can't, I can't get to heaven on my own. Look at this passage here in Galatians 1. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Christ Jesus who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. He came to rescue you. So what do I do with this name, Jesus? What can I do? Well, I can trust his name. You ever heard that slogan, a name you can trust? A name you can trust. I, I went on, just Google it. 
Google images, a name you can trust. And here's the kind of people, and if you're one of these occupations, I don't take it personal. Let's see. A doctor, a name you can trust. Lawyers, a name you can trust. Politician running for mayor, he had a sign, a name you can trust. You can trust politicians, right? Yeah. Car salesman, oops, that slipped out. A name you can trust. And, he, and, and we know if you, you were to yelp this person, whoever says a name you can trust, there is somebody that's got a problem. I trusted that name and I got a lemon. I trusted that name and lost in court. I trusted that, a doctor, a name you can trust. I, I went to him and I got worse. Why is that? Because there's no name we can trust totally like Jesus. That's the name you can trust. Look what it says here. He who puts his trust in me and is baptized will be saved from the punishment of sin. But he who does not put his trust in me is guilty and will be punished forever. What's he saying here? He's saying, man, you trust me? Follow me, be baptized. Listen, you got nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. You're saved. And you're saved from something. Here's the other thing you can do with this name that's on your notes there. Is what can I do? I can mention this name. I can mention his name. You know, one of the things that I think is not only are we saved from something, but we're saved for something. And, and church, I'm, I, I just want to encourage you this year in 2022, the world needs to hear about Christ. They really need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear his name. They need to know, they need to know the power of his name. And that only comes when we mention him. We begin to talk about him. Look at this passage here in Hebrews 13. With Jesus' help, we'll continued, continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by telling others the glory of his name. I always thought this was about singing, that passage. But it's really about telling just the, the glory, the awe, the, the wonder, the power, the meaning of this name to others. And so let me ask you just to think about something here as we... As we're closing, ask yourself this question. Are you saved? Have you called on his name? And are you depending on this name? Remember years ago, Greg Chappell talking to me about the, the training of a lifeguard. And he, and he would tell me, not everybody can be a lifeguard, Tim. And I said, well, what's so challenging about it? Well, when you, they teach us, they put you through the ringer. Because when you're out there trying to save someone, they're fighting everything. And if you get too close to them, they'll grab a hold of you. And next thing you know, you're both underwater. And there have been lifeguards that have drowned trying to save somebody. I said, so what do you do? Well, you have to find a way to subdue them. You have to talk to them and tell them to calm down. You've got to find a way to get them to trust you and say, just just calm down, quit fighting it, I'll get you back to safety. And when we're talking about Jesus, save, I want Jesus as a savior, but you know, he, he's also got to be a Lord. He's got to be in control. And if sometimes I'm fighting him so much as he's trying, I'm trying to save you and we're fight, we're trying to save ourselves and we can't. 
And so what's the answer? I just need to surrender. Have you done? That's how you know if you're, you want to be saved. It comes from surrender. And say, Lord, get me to safety. What do you want me to do? I want you to calm down. I want you to call out to me. And I want you to depend on me and trust me. My hands can save you. So just put your hands in mine and see, let's see what happens. But there's also something else there I want you to consider, and that is that who else do you know that needs saved? That needs to know they don't have to fight and drown. I mean, what, what are you doing with this salvation that you have? Are we going to just keep it to ourselves? Do we allow pressure, fear, pride, selfishness? And we're just going to hang on to it? Or are we going to share it with somebody? Because he wants to save. He wants to rescue. He rescued you. And he wants you to help him rescue others. That's all I have this today. I just hope the meaning of Jesus' name means something to you this morning. I know there's a card you have in your bulletin and I hope you'll consider writing something out, maybe a decision or a prayer that you'd like to you'd like to ask people to pray for you about something. I just know this year as we 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 we're dealing with the same stuff we've been dealing with the last couple of years. It's important that we begin to go, who is Jesus? Because that's who I serve and what's he want me to do? How can I imitate him? What can I learn from him? How can I depend on him? More than ever, we we need to be a church like that. All right? Let's pray here. Father, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for, Father, thank you for being able to understand us, that Jesus understands. And because because he walked on this earth and he came, came into this earth like the rest of us so that we couldn't accuse him of cheating or Fudging on something, Father. No, he, uh, your son was a human being, a perfect human being. No other person could have saved us. No, no one else could have been a perfect sacrifice but your son Jesus. And Father, we thank you for that. We remembered him just a minute ago, and we are still remembering his sacrifice and your great love. And Father, thank you for, for providing a son that can relate to us, that we can trust that knows what we're going through and knows how to get us through it. And Father, we pray you'll help us listen. That when, when we call in his name, it's to call for his help, but also to surrender and listen and let him, let him help us. Father, we pray that we also thank you, Father, and we, as we pray for the, the rescue that he provides. That he wants to restore us. That you've made it possible to be restored. Father, I know some of us here, our marriages are in, they're not doing well. And Father, we know you want to restore and improve. And Father, we know there are people around us that are broken that you want us to speak up and just say something about and mention your name and mention the, how, how your son Jesus has the impact he's made on our lives. And we call on that, Father. We call on giving us the courage and the faith and the love for you and others to mention his name more often.
Thank you for rescuing us. Father, I just think way back, way back, when you sent a teenage girl to talk to me about my relationship with you. And God, I can't even begin to thank you for that. We think about the people that have talked about Jesus and mentioned him to us. And Father, I know there are others out there that need us to mention him as well. And Father, I know, thank you for the moments. For the moments, not only did you save us then, but you continued come and save us with our brokenness, with our bad habits, with some of the some of the situations we get in. Oh God, thank you for rescuing, providing that, and saving us. Help us to help us to share this with others who need saved. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.